Welcome to Her Digital Brand, a podcast where we interview founders and leaders of some of the best brands on the internet. My name is Kyler Nixon, and in just a minute, I'm going to be joined by my co-host, Brad Bishop. Today, we have a super special treat for you. We have a dear friend of the podcast and a friend of our business, Kelly Hartnett. Kelly is the founder of Tall Tree Collective, and she is a copywriter extraordinaire. Today, she's going to give you a handful of tips that'll help you up your copywriting game to help you improve your conversions, improve your opt-ins, and really just make your copy that much stronger. I can't wait for you to hear it. Be sure to grab a pen and a piece of paper. You're going to want to take notes for this one. Let's jump in. Hey, Kelly, how are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I, I got to tell you, I'm actually really excited to have this conversation with you today. Um, we were on a call, gosh, I don't know, Kyler, it was a cu- couple of weeks ago and with some people who are DIYing their site, their copy, all that stuff. And and we kind of hit this point where they said, do we need to just, do we just need to pay for someone to do copy? And I just said, yes, I said, 100%. <laughs> I said, like, I'm not going to like sugarcoat this. Yes. And I told them, I said, the clients Kyler's had, the ones that have had the most success have hired Kelly. Aww. And so yeah. it's so great that we get to talk to you today about copy. And you are so good at what you do. I mean, it's literally unreal what you do. And so today we get to kind of pop the hood a little bit and talk about your tips for how to how to do better copywriting. Because a lot of people at the end of the day still try to DIY stuff. And that's okay. That's great. Yeah. If, um so I, I want to hear your thoughts on how people can write better coming from literally the master of copy. So the Michael Jordan, <laughs> the Michael Jordan of copy. Actually, you know what, though? I actually, before we get into that, Kelly, would you mind just telling us a little bit about you and kind of how maybe you got into copywriting? Sure. Um, accidentally, totally, completely accidentally. I went to school for counseling uh, in psychology and um Long story short, that career didn't work out for me. And I ended up working at a church as a communications director and ended up doing a lot of writing there. And that just kind of morphed over the years into doing writing for other types of people and things. And I happened upon StoryBrand through a church-related writing thing. And I it just resonated with me so deeply. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to try that. And Kyler talked me into it. Actually, it's Kyler's fault that I'm a StoryBrand certified guide. Wait, who, came, wait who, who is a guide first? Kyler. I was. And okay. I, yeah, and you're like, Kelly and I have known each other for a while though, because yeah. Kelly worked for the Center for Church Communications for a little bit. And I yep. did uh, graphics when I was doing graphic design and I would help and I donated or volunteered some graphics there. So we've known each other for a minute, yeah. which is cool. And then it's been fun to like kind of see our careers, like kind of come back, back together. So, uh, you fun. know, something, Kyler, I think you said this on one of the shows the other day, um, we talked about books that we recommended to, to people. And the number one book we we recommend to people read is, is StoryBrand. Um, mm-hmm. How would you say that method has helped you with your copywriting? Mostly, it's given me permission, and this is getting into a little bit of one of the tips. So I don't I don't want to go get too far ahead of us, but um, sure. it gave me permission to write the way I knew would connect with people. It gave me. Um, yeah, rather than being formal and thinking I had to prove myself and all of those things, StoryBrand allowed me to really look at things from the perspective of customers and clients and just allowed me to write the way I think people want to read, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, no, that does make perfect sense. And for those listening that, you know, I kind of said that out of context, when we say story brand book, we're talking building a story brand by Donald Miller. And I, I've actually been reading his new one, Hero on a Mission, and I loved it. Oh yeah. my gosh. But there's something about the way he writes, like him just as a writer, I don't know what it is, but he is just so engaging. He tells, he tells his own story so well. And then of course you've got story brand, which teaching you how to tell those stories so well. And yeah. um, so no, that, that's awesome. But okay. So you've written for a lot of clients. You kind of cut, cut your teeth in the church world and then Kyler convince you to become a story brand guide. Um, yes. And so do you primarily just, do you, do you primarily just write or do you have other things that you do? Yeah. And I should say I've been writing since I was in like second grade. I was one of those kids where if you were supposed to write a paragraph of a story, I would write six pages. So it's always been a part of my life. Um, and I'm just really thrilled that I've been able to build a business around that, but that's really all I do. I'm not much of a strategy person. I don't love tech. Um, all I really want to do is take words and make them sing. So that's, that's what I focus on. I love it. I didn't learn how to write until I was in second grade either. So we have that in common. (laughs) Kindergarten, first grade, very rough for me. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad you figured it out, Kyler. Yeah, me too. Yeah. What's interesting though is you 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 said you started off as a psych major, but you know something about you that way you write so well is you're such an empathetic writer. You have this ability to get yeah. into people's heads a little bit. So yes, you started as a psych major, but I think it has helped you like be who you are oh, today. Yeah, I mean, I argue with my husband all the time. He's like, Kelly, you have this master's degree that you're you aren't using anymore, and I'm like, oh yes, I am, a hundred percent. That's, I mean, if you know how to connect yeah. with other human beings, and I learned that even more deeply in grad school. So I do use it every day, whatever, Jack, right? <laughs> <laughs> Jack, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Right. So oh, for oh, all, for all, you know, our podcast is geared mainly toward, toward mom brands. And like I said, there's a lot of people that are learning how to do this. They've got a brand they want that yeah. they've got in their mind and a lot of them are going to DIY stuff. And so we wanted yeah. to bring you the Michael Jordan of copywriting. It's okay. Okay. I got to explain that a little bit, actually. It's a little, Anytime, it's like the LeBron James of copywriting. No, don't I, even. No. Is that a conversation for another day? Is that a whole different podcast episode? <laughs> I don't know. Whole different it's a podcast. generational thing. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, yeah. That's a generational thing. But Kyler, whenever we're on calls and you're not present, Kelly, and he's teeing you up, he l- 100% of the time says, Kelly is the Michael Jordan of copywriting. So sweet. Every time. So let's talk about, I know you've got some really good ideas and tips for people on how to be better writers. So I'm just going to give you the floor, Kelly, and let you do, let us tell you, tell us, sorry, you tell us the magic behind copywriting. All right. Well, I'll give you some tips anyway. I don't know if I can explain it all the way, but I do have (laughs) some really helpful tips, I think, for people who are trying to do DIY their own copy. Um, I have five, but there's one overarching one I want to mention, and it's this. Stop telling yourself you're not a writer. Because if you tell yourself you're not a writer, you're going to struggle with it the whole way. Is it true that some people are better writers than others? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that you're not capable of writing. And so be kind to yourself. Give yourself a little pep talk right from the get-go. And don't sit down and think, oh, this is going to be so hard because I'm not a writer. Don't say that. Instead, say, okay, this is going to be a challenge and I'm up for it because I'm becoming a writer. That's the mantra I want to give yourself. I want you to give yourself. So good. So from that point, yeah, the jumping off point, uh, this is the number one tip. Write like you talk. 
And that's really hard to do because most of us, I don't know about you guys, but I have um, my eighth grade honors English teacher sitting on my shoulder most of the time when I sit down at my computer and she's like, noun verb agreement. You can't end a sentence with a preposition. Don't start a word with a conjunction. And I'm like, whatever, Mrs. Lucky, off you go. Get off my shoulder because people want to, people want to feel like they're in a conversation with you. And we don't write, um, we don't write incorrect grammar. So basically the lesson is grammar is not the boss of you. Now you have to be careful with that. You can't go all the way to the nth degree so that nobody can kind of find their way through your writing. So I'm not saying run on sentences are a good idea or anything like that, but don't feel constrained by what you learned in your high school English classes. Just write like you talk. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes perfect sense. Cause a lot of times people write and it's like I'm reading a term paper. Um, yes. It's just yeah. not, it's not something I'm going to buy. It's not something I'm going to yeah. engage with. Okay. But I yeah. got to ask you though, because this comes up a lot. If I say, you say, write how you talk. Mm-hmm. What, if, what if I cuss and I talk? How do I, how do you work in cuss words into a brand? Well, it depends on the brand. So there are some brands that cuss words are perfectly fine. And if that matches the kind of audience that you're connecting with, for example, My tagline for my business, I haven't told you this, Kyler, I finally came up with a decent tagline. I do copywriting for brands who give a damn. That will be on my website. That that cuss word will be there. Um, And if you want clients who are okay with that kind of language, if that's the kind of thing you want to write about, then that's fine. Now, um, otherwise, you can use little asterisks. I mean, you know, we have fun mommy labor nurses site, for example, it's, you're about to birth a whole human. So it's a asterisk asterisk, right? So there's ways to do that. Um, but you don't, don't cuss just because you think it's cool. Make sure it matches mm-hmm. your brand's values. Um, does that answer your question? No, it does. It does. Cause people always ask, like, is it okay to cuss in my brand? How do I, if I do, how do I do that? Like, so what if that's how I talk? Well, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, yeah. Maybe you don't litter the whole copy with like five letter <laughs> words. Sure. <laughs> sure. And just know that you may turn, you have to make a decision. Am I willing to turn away some people because I dropped an F bomb or not even the full F bomb. I just said F bomb. You're going to, you might lose mm-hmm. some people and you just have to decide if you're okay with that. Um, But I do think it's better to be truer to who you are than not, because you'll naturally attract more people who resonate with that kind of language. So um, definitely write how you're talking. And this is um, this is not as much fun as cussing, but please use contractions. Nobody says you are looking for blah, blah, blah. No, we say you're we use contractions all the time. Again, I don't care what your high school English teacher says. You're not writing a term paper. You're not writing a thesis. You're writing sales copy and you want to engage people with it. So use contractions. Start sentences with and or but. It's it's really okay. And And the way you can... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Keep going. The way you can test that is to read your copy out loud. Literally read it out loud. Draft it all up. I, I usually actually stand up while I'm reading just because it gets me in a different headspace. It's really hard to proofread your own stuff. So I stand up and I read it out loud. And if there's any point at which I stumble, I'm like, oh, I've got to fix that. Because you don't want people to have to reread something that they've just read. So check it by reading it out loud. Yeah, that's a great point. That's so yeah. good. I think that what I'm hearing you say too, and like, if you're, you know, you've dropped a couple of things, like we talked a little bit about swearing and contractions and different, you know, fragments or whatever. It's like, I, 
think about the, and I'm learning how to be a better writer, right? Like I am a marketer and I'm learning how to write because I have to be able to do that. But like things like it's okay to have a couple of sentences or a couple of words in a sentence, or like sometimes I'll write a sentence that's one word, right? Or I will ditch a paragraph. And sometimes like, if you look at sales emails or stuff that I've written for myself, it's like 10 lines and each line has its own sentence on it. Right. right. Cause it's just how I'm thinking and how I'm, how I'm writing. So, uh, if you're listening to this, you have permission to use fragments, you have permission to, you know, maybe even use some regional slang if it's appropriate for your audience, um, using fragments and, um, breaking things up and writing exactly writing how you talk that's so good yeah yeah and i what you're talking about right now is what i call cadence which is kind of the rhythm Mm -hmm. and the flow of the speech so when we're talking to people we don't all of our sentences are different lengths uh we emphasize certain words oh my gosh i it was beat into my head do not use italics do not use bold that's lazy that's a lazy way to Mm -hmm. emphasize what you're talking but when i'm obviously i'm emphasizing certain words the way to get across that in writing is by using italics and bold it's okay to do those things um so yes right like you talk we've been talking to a couple people the last few days doing interviews some of the uh um Dr. Reem with Psych Mommy and mm-hmm. um, talked to Mother Figure today. And two things that came out, they both said the same thing. And it's all about authenticity. Their audience craves yes. authenticity. And they're talking about sharing personal stories more than educational stuff on Instagram. They get a much higher engagement from sharing stories. Yeah. But for you, I think it goes back to writing how you talk. There is an authenticity to that, that people cannot connect with you because they feel like they're having a conversation with you. Yeah. Yeah, but there's a second piece to that authenticity, which gets to my second point, which is to write with, I mean, let your copy ooze with empathy. Um, And I'm assuming everybody in your audience knows what that means. But when I talk about empathy, I talk about literally putting myself in the position of the people who are reading the copy so that they can see themselves in it. Um, One thing we talk about a lot is that businesses tend to Businesses think people are buying solutions to external problems, like a lawn company. They think that people are buying, getting their lawn cut. Okay. What people are actually buying is a solution to their internal problem, uh, which is the emotions that come with that. So yes, I need my lawn mode, but I'm feeling super embarrassed about what my house looks like compared to my neighbors. And so that's what I'm buying the solution for. So in order to get to that solution to an internal problem, you have to be able to express um, and lay out the emotions that you know your audience is feeling. Um, so that's it's just being real. It's being authentic. Um, it's relating with your audience and allowing them to say, oh, my gosh, th- they get me. They really understand what I'm going through. And I think I can trust them to solve it. Are there, are there any like, gosh, like questions, if I'm trying to DIY copy questions that would help me arrive at those sympathetic words, like help me get in the mindset of my customer? It's such a good question. And I was just having this conversation with somebody the other day, because um, if you're not a naturally empathic person, this can be really tricky Um, because you can try and try and try, and then it comes across as forced um, or disingenuous. And people can see through that in a heartbeat. So, um, my number one, (laughs) my number one strength on the Clifton strength finder is empathy. So it's hard for me to describe to somebody else. Well, how do I, how do I develop more empathy? I want to say become a more empathic human for crying out loud, like (laughs) (laughs) hang out with people, but seriously, 
Hang out with people who are different from you. Read books that you wouldn't normally pick up and read. Watch TVs and uh, TV shows and movies and documentaries about people who are radically different from you. So it just kind of cracks open your world perspective and you can begin to more easily connect with the emotions that people might be feeling. Beyond that, though. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, we've, we've had this conversation like you and I, like separately, like offline, because I am uh, growing in empathy. I'm becoming an empathetic person, but I am not like inherently like, and especially because most of our clients are women, they're running different brands. They're in a different season of life. So it is relatively hard for me to be like, I get what you're going through because I don't like, I have no, you know, I have no idea, but what I think, and I'm hearing you say, and what I've tried to do is just listen. Like I, if, if a client sends me an email, rather than trying to jump in and solve that issue, I'm just listening to what they're saying. I'm reading the email and understanding, okay, why did they say it this way? Or what do they actually mean by I'm struggling with X, Y, Z? Is there something deeper yeah. going on? And so I've had to grow in that where I've listened more than I talk. And I think that's probably, there's something there for empathy for brands is listening to your audience, listening to your customers before you start writing. Yeah. I mean, one way that you can really dive into how your customers are feeling is to look at your testimonials. They'll often tell you right in their own words, how they were feeling like, oh my gosh, I was so worried about my kid's diaper rash. I was worried, you know, and I felt like a terrible mom. Oh my gosh. If you can infuse that into your copy, you're not a bad mom because your kid has a diaper rash. And I mean, they're like, okay, here's my money. I will buy your diaper rash cream. Um, yes. so yeah. really pay attention Shout to out what Chelsea Wang, baby. you're saying. <laughs> you can also, um, as you're thinking about it, you know, if you're like, oh, I think my, I think my audience is frustrated by this problem that I solve. Literally close your eyes and think about what that looks like for your, what does it look like to be frustrated? What are they doing? How does their, this sounds a little woo. Okay. I'm letting you in on my process here. How does their body feel when they feel frustrated? Are they tense? Are their shoulders raised? Um, what are they saying? How, what's their tone of voice? And it's not, that's, you're not going to put that in your copy necessarily, but it's going to get you. It's almost like I heard another guy, um, Alea Harris, who's amazing. She said, um, it's almost like method acting. It's method copywriting. Mm. You literally embody the character yeah. of the yeah. client that you're trying to reach. I like so that a lot. Actually. A lot of times I, I, I've said this about writing too, is because um, when I feel like copy is stale, you know, and, and I'll ask people like, hey, like, what's the problem you're trying to solve here? And then my follow-up is how does that problem manifest itself into their daily life? Like, what is yeah. it? What does it cause? Like, let's really get into this. So like the lawnmower example you gave, that that's me to a T. I hate mowing the yard. I hate it. I so last summer was the first summer I'd ever talked my wife into hiring a lawn service. I mean, I can mow the lawn myself. I'm physically capable yeah. of doing so. It's not about how my lawn looks. It's that I dread doing it. I hate. I hate it. And I yeah. that was an internal thing of mine. And that's all I wanted to solve was that internal dread. So no, it's, you're perfectly right on that. Let me yeah. let me give one example of that as someone who is a non copywriting writer who has learned under like i feel like scotty pippen playing with michael jordan right like i i pick, <laughs> i've picked up a couple of things right so let me let me give you an example and I, that lawn care one is super easy right because everyone kind of understands what a lawn care company does maybe unless you live in phoenix where you have rocks instead of grass but um if you call up a lawn care company and 
and you say, Hey, I'm just get really frustrated with it. It's 30 minutes out of my day that I don't want to take, you know, to do this. I've got kids at home. I want to spend my summer with them, whatever. And lawn care company a says, well, let me tell you, we have the best equipment. We use top of the line, John Deere, and we're really fast and efficient. And you're going to have a beautiful cut. And lawn care company B says, man, I get it. Like I have kiddos of my own and, and I can imagine how you know frustrating that would be to have to, you know, be away from them as you're, you know, and, and instead of mowing or instead of being with them, you're having to mow the lawn. Uh, we'd love to take care of that for you. Well, which one are you going with? You're going with right. company B, right? Because they've expressed that, that empathy. So um, that's great. That's probably a whole, whole other episode there. So yeah. <laughs> Each right. of her points uh, that she has is a whole separate I episode. <laughs> I don't think she knows that though, Brad. I don't no. think she realizes that on our podcast schedule, she has signed up for six episodes. Yeah. Oh no! Uh, all right, sorry, Kelly. Um, okay, no, so keep keep us keep us going. So so far, okay. write how you talk. Write with loads of empathy. Tip yes. number three. Okay, so this is where a lot of people get it wrong. Um, you must give people their next step. So if you, and what that means is call them to action. So you can empathize with them all day long. You can be super real. You can talk in entertaining and engaging ways, but if you don't tell them what they need to do next, they're not going to do it. And people hesitate. They're like, oh, but I don't want to be salesy. I don't want to tell them to buy my product or service because I don't want to come across as annoying or, you know, like a sleazy salesperson. And so here is my standard pep talk for your audience you have something that people need, right? The product or service that you are selling solves people's problems. And so if you don't encourage them to purchase it, you're actually doing them a disservice. So you're really not selling something. Yes, you're going to make money, whatever. It's fine. The, the world, that's the way the world works. But you need to call them to action so that they can get the relief that they deserve from the pain they're experiencing. And maybe that sounds a little overblown, but I really believe that to my core. Well, you know, and this is where Donald Miller, I think he said it beautifully because he always calls that call to action, the cash register. And it's like, yeah. I feel like so many times when I've said that to clients, it's like, it finally clicks. They're like, oh yeah, that actually makes sense. And so talk about, I, I, I've actually read different articles about the psychology behind call to action buttons. Is there a right or wrong way to write copy on a button? I think there's a, there are, there are good and there are better ways to write copy on buttons. And this is actually an area of growth for me. So you're exposing a weak point in my game. And by the way, can we say I'm like the Megan Rapinoe of copywriting <laughs> or the Abby Wambach of copywriting? Yeah, yeah there you Jordan? go. Hey, I'm okay. big fans of theirs. Yeah. yeah. Right. Perfect. <laughs> I do not play soccer just to be clear. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think if you can get away with it, if you, if once this is maybe copywriting 201, okay, this is not a beginner copywriting tip, sure, sure. but if you can find a way to do call to value buttons instead of call to action buttons, that can be really effective. So instead of buy now, let's say, let's say you're selling, um, I don't know, online therapy services, instead of saying book an appointment, your button could say, find relief today. Or, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's what you have to look at what your customers are going to get as a result of pressing the button and engaging with you, not just pressing the button. Right. It's tricky though. Um, I try to sit down and, and list out, I, I, I have a fill in the blank. It's um, I want to blank. That's your client, your customer. I want to blank, or I want you to blank. So it could be teach me how to 
something could be on your button. Um, or, um, I want to, I want to live in freedom. I don't know what, I don't know what it could be, but, um, it, it could be really helpful to do call to value instead of call to action buttons. It takes a little more work to come up with those and you don't want your button to have 47 words on it either. Um, (laughs) yeah, but yeah, that's that's what I would say. Is that the antidote to the learn mores, the click here's the, is that, yes. is that how you would overcome that? Okay. Yes. That's thank you for bringing that up. So you don't want your call to action buttons to be vague. Um, yeah. You want people to really understand what's going to happen as a result of pressing the button. So um, learn more. There are times I'm going to be honest with you. There are times on a website homepage where I will use learn more, but it's because I need to direct them to another page. But mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. I would never say learn more, like if I want somebody to have a consultation with me, I would just say set up a consultation. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say learn mm-hmm. more. Um, so yeah. you do want them to be very specific and active and direct. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you can even go further than that. Like, I think when we think of calls to action or calls to value, like it's easy to think about the buy now or the schedule consultation. But I mean, even going deeper in like, if you're sending a link to a blog in an email, like, you know, read this topic or learn how to do X, Y, Z, right? Like that call to action should always be there. What, what is the one next thing you want them to take? And even if it's super small, like this yeah. post share with a friend, like those are calls to action and they keep the user engaged, um, engaged with the brand. I think that's really important. Yeah. You just want to give your audience something to say yes to. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if that means they're not quite ready to say yes to giving you money, if you have opportunities on your website for them to say yes to download something or um, to read a blog post, like you said, or something like that, those are really helpful. Um, but no matter what, you want to guide, you want to help people find their way through their customer journey by giving them call to action buttons. Totally. Um, okay. So yeah. number four, I think this is a good transition because we've talked about giving yeah. them the next step, but what happens when someone's not ready to move forward? How do you, how do you handle that? I think that's a lead into your fourth tip. So my fourth tip, yeah, in a way it is. My fourth tip is to answer objections directly. And this is what I mean. As you're writing your copy, think about all the reasons why your audience might be saying, no, thank you. And then address those objections right on the sales page or in the email or whatever it is that you're writing. So for example, if you're selling a pretty high ticket item, um, maybe you have a membership or something that is however many dollars a year and it's pretty high ticket, you know, people are thinking, I can't really afford this. So have a section on the website or at least a common question that is, um, Mm -hmm. is this really worth the money? And Uh, I would encourage you to use the language that customers are actually using so that they see that question and go, oh my gosh, she's reading my mind. How did she know I was going to ask that question? So objections around digital brands could be cost. It could be how much time is this going to take me? Um, Is it really going to work for me is one that I hear a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm super special. I know it's worked for all your hundreds of other clients, but is it really going to work for me? And so you can address that objection directly, but there's no reason to hide that stuff. Um, It's much better to be, it's, it's a piece of authenticity, Mm -hmm. right? Like I see you, I know what's getting Mm -hmm. like, let me help you get out of your own way and answer these questions right up front. For sure. It also, I think, helps create a little bit of an internal process for the brand when you when you force yourself to think about it. Like, for instance, 
Um, if someone is, is concerned about cost and your answer to that is, well, we have a 30 day money back guarantee, no mm -hmm. questions asked. Well, what happens when customer number one comes back and says, I want a refund? Well, you've already set that up for yourself. You've told them that they can expect a no questions asked money back guarantee. Right. And so yep. it kind of solves that problem for you ahead of time. Is there any practical ways that you recommend, uh, brands kind of go through and, and identify some objections? Is it literally as simple as just make a list and answer it? Or is there kind of any other nuance to it? Well, I think that's one way to do it for sure. Um, if you're savvy and you know, like if you have an email list of people that you've presented an offer to, you can reach out to those people and say, hey, I'm just wondering what, what was it that prevented you from buying this? And that's a bold move, but Listen, facts are our friends. So if we never right. ask the question, we can never fix the problem. And I have a client for whom that was really, really helpful. Um, she was able to glean some really important information. And one of them was just a misunderstanding about how she had mm. presented something on the sales page. And she, the audience was kind enough to respond to her. And she's like, oh my gosh, I can fix this mm. moving forward. So um, be bold. And you can, yeah, you know, if you have yeah. a big Instagram following, you can also do the same thing. Like, why wouldn't you buy this? People love to talk yeah, about themselves. Yeah. So there's nothing yeah. wrong with asking those questions. And even if you just get a couple of replies, it'll help you think about other, other things that might be getting in people's way. Ah, so good. This is so good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, as much as I would love to stay here for um, another eight hours, I think that <laughs> uh, <laughs> we probably got to keep moving. So, um, yes. so far we've talked, we've talked about kind of four uh, maybe things that are applied to any form of copywriting, right? So writing yes. how you talk, writing with empathy, giving your next step, and then answering objections directly. Um, yes. Tip number five, maybe a little bit more medium specific. So go ahead and, yeah. and take her away there. Yes. So I mentioned a second ago about sending emails to people. And that is my fifth tip. Send emails then send more emails, then send more emails. And here's, here's well, there's so many reasons why. Um, first of all, if, you've, if people are telling you that email marketing is dead, they're absolutely wrong. Email has much higher open rates, much higher conversion rates, much higher engagement rates than anything across the board. So that's the first reason. Number two, you own your email list. You do not own your Instagram following, your Facebook following, your LinkedIn following. You don't own any of that. Those platforms can disappear tomorrow. And if that's the only place you have an audience, you're out of luck. So email marketing is really, really, really important uh, to participate in. And then don't be afraid to engage with your audience on a regular basis. The truth is, and you know you've done this. I do it all the time. I'm subscribed to all kinds of brands online. Most of the time they land in my inbox and I swipe left and they go to the archive and I never even look at them, but I remembered it was a, a trigger for me. I was reminded that they exist and it doesn't bother me. I'll unsubscribe if I don't want to hear from them anymore. Yeah, right, and don't right. be afraid of unsubscribes. If people unsubscribe from your list, they're not your audience. They're not your customers. It's okay. It keeps your list really healthy mm -hmm. that way and keeps your open rates high and all those things. So um, but email is an opportunity for you to drop into somebody's day and say, Hey, I'm here if you need me. And maybe that helps so to good. think about it that way instead of, Hey, yeah. I'm here yeah. if you want to give me some money. 
Yeah. That's yeah. not what you're doing. That's not what you're doing. No, you're not. So, well, the other day we did, and to refer people back, the episode with, with Tiffany Tippin from Mommy Labor Nurse, yeah. one of the questions we asked her was, um, what platform could their business not live without? And she said something to the effect of, and I mean, this isn't verbatim, but it was basically, she said, you know, a year ago, I would have said Instagram, can't live without Instagram, but because they've spent the last year or so just dedicated to building that email list, she, I, Kyler, correct her wrong. I think I'm pretty sure the words she said were, we don't need Instagram anymore. It's, yeah. She said that. Yeah. It, it's email. They've done everything through email. Yeah. It's yeah. email is where it's at. Yeah. yeah. In fact, even yeah. like I followed Jenna Kutcher and she did some, you know, she's a big influencer and she made a post the other day. She said, all roads lead back to your email list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, it's the truth. That's a whole, again, a whole other episode. And I imagine that some of your audience who are busting their butts on Instagram right now are thinking, oh my gosh, how great would it be to not need Instagram anymore? Because oh it's yeah, so time intensive, it's sure. so labor intensive, and emails are nothing compared to yeah. the, the time people are spending doing reels and all that that crazy stuff. So anyway, no, but yeah, it's almost like so it's like Instagram's that first domino that you got because you got to build this following, then you got to get them to yes. your yeah. site. Yeah. So it's like once you get that domino knocked down and not have to worry about it, man, what a great place to be because emails. You're you're so right. Yeah, Instagram is so labor intensive. Yes. But yes. We'll, uh, yep. we'll link to we'll link to some blogs that are on our site about how to start an email list. Um, the platform that we recommend, which we love, Active Campaign, but there's a ton of great ones out there. Um, and then how to actually gather those email addresses using a lead generator. Um, and we have some blogs that we'll put in the show notes about that. Um, I have one one quick final thing because I always get the pushback on from clients about oh, I don't want to email too often or whatever. I, uh, for the first like three, three years in business, I use the full focus planner from Michael Hyatt and, uh, I subscribed to his email list and was, you know, in there at some point and I stopped using it for like probably a year and a half. I just started using a different tool and kind of, you know, got out of it. I still got Michael Hyatt's emails and they came probably every other day. I did not unsubscribe for almost probably 18 months. And I was getting those emails. I was sending them to the trash. It got to the point where I would bulk search Michael Hyatt. I would select all the emails and delete them all at once, but I couldn't bring myself to unsubscribe. And what do you know, sitting next to me now is another full focus planner because he just, he stayed front of mind. I don't think I read a single email for 18 months, but when I thought organization and productivity, I thought Michael Hyatt, when I thought Michael Hyatt, I thought about this planner. And so when I started to feel my life getting a little disorganized, I said, back to the planner. And he was the first person yeah. I thought of. So sometimes the value of email isn't inherently in the, the, you know, the content of the email, but just staying front of mind in, in the inbox. Yep. So absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And Hello. really the, the immutable law of email, and this is from Laura Belgray, more emails equals more sales. Yep. And you can't, there's no way you can look at it any other way. The yep. more emails you send, the more sales you'll get. And yes, you'll lose some people and it's okay. It's okay. So good. Okay. We've got a couple of fun questions that we're going to spring on you. We didn't Uh-oh. send these over ahead of time. Um, okay. So we have uh, two, maybe three. We'll see, we'll see where the night takes us. Uh, I'm so nervous. Question, I'm going to totally throw you on the spot. The first, the second one's going to be easier than the first one. Okay. So if we need to come back, we can question number one, these are fun. What is something that you recently purchased for a hundred dollars or less that has positively impacted your life or your business? Could be anything, anything you want. For a hundred dollars or less. Um, 
Yeah, we'll have to come back to that one. I buy stuff all the time. So. <laughs> we can <laughs> we can give you some examples of things we've heard if that helps you. That would be great. Yeah, it was um, probably a book. I'm just trying to think which book it was. Yeah, right. Book, yeah. What did um this morning she said um her weight set. Yeah. Yeah. Madison. Yeah. Her yeah she said yeah. her weight set. I mean, the, the best answer so far is from Tiffany with mommy labor nurse. She said knitting needles. Knitting. Needles. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So funny. I, <laughs> I know what it was. I know what it okay. was. Um, I, I renewed my subscription to the 10% happier app, which is a meditation app that I use $99 a year. And when I use it, it is lights out the, the difference it makes in my life uh, what personally is it called? and professionally. 10% happier. Um, there's a book called Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics that was written by Dan Harris, who is a newscaster who had a panic attack online, um, like in front of this. He was on the Today Show or something. And so he he left that and started this meditation journey, wrote a book, and now has mm -hmm. an app that is amazing. Absolutely amazing. So cool. So that's it. I love it. That's a great answer. I love that we said $100 is less and she came in at 99. <laughs> 99. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, so the next fun question, it may not be the last, but I've actually already teased it. So you've actually already heard it. Um, it is what platform, software, or app could your business not live without? And it can't mm. be social media. Yeah, I don't use social media for my business. I'm terrible at that. Um, this is a weird one. This is a weird one, but I believe this one. I use brain.fm for um, its music. It's like binaural. I don't know. It's some neuropsychology, something or other that when I'm really stuck on writing, I put my headphones in and listen to brain FM and it's like magic. It unlocks something in my head and allows me to write. Is it like, is it like white noise? It's not white noise. It's, um, it's more rhythmic and it has, I mean, it sounds kind of like music, but also like there's some electronic stuff going on in the background. The first time I put my headphones in, I was like, whoa, it's just like brainwashing. What, what is happening right this now? This is fascinating. But this I'm a believer. Nuts. I've never seen this. Were you looking at yeah. Brain FM? Yeah, I pulled it up. Like, oh, wow. That's like for me, when I need to get deep in that writing process, it's piano music. I don't know what it is, but oh. piano music works for me. Yeah, I can't listen to actual music, especially if uh, if I can pick up a melody, it completely distracts me. It has to be totally silent or listening to Brain FM. Yeah, yeah so, that's so funny. To that, to, I'm guessing then, you know, like for me, I cannot listen. If I listen to music with words, it will throw oh, no. me off. Yeah, yeah I can't. Because no. before you know it, you're, you're singing along. And yeah, yes. I'm the exact opposite. I, while I definitely have some instrumental stuff, I work to like, pop punk like playlist i'll listen to all kinds of like very like the hamilton soundtrack i like still go to oh that. my how can you write yeah. while you're listening to hamilton there is maybe, no way maybe you know what i think we've really unlocked something here maybe that's why i'm such a bad writer you're maybe not a bad writer <laughs> you are not a bad writer maybe maybe no. that's my issue i've just been distracting myself and what was my very first tip stop saying you're a bad writer oh yeah right i am Gosh. becoming a good writer <laughs> that's right that's you right. know that, okay. actually okay I'm, I'm i'm totally not trying to bring up topic one again but i just want to say where i hear that the most kelly is where we're talking with clients about their content strategy we're talking about blogging that's mm. the first thing i always hear i'm not a writer i can't blog yeah. But yeah, yes, that's you just you're just sharing information, you know, it's just like sitting down and having a cup of coffee with somebody. That's oh, yeah. all. So if yeah. you give yourself permission to write like you talk, you can write. Now, if you're truly, truly, truly like if you struggle with it and you hate it, 
and you're really like, people are like, I don't understand what you're writing, hire somebody to do it. But most people are able to do those kinds of, those kinds of things. Blog posts. Oh, for sure. So yeah. are, right. are th- you going to do the third one? Why not? Who cares? Um, no, I, I think we could do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's easy. All right. It's easy. No, it's fine. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh. <laughs> go ahead. Um, okay. So this is our last question for the Candace Parker of copywriting. Had to pull it back to basketball reference. Okay. She's okay. one of the best. I, was, I don't know. Players. I don't even know who that I don't, is. I don't follow how, soccer. That's how sports ball I am. Yeah. Oh, man. This is She's the, uh, I think of a good female <laughs> writer. Uh, Louisa, or, Louisa May Alcott of uh, copywriting. Yeah. No. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's just, anyway. let's just say she's Kelly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> what, um, what TV show or movie have you been binging lately? Oh, uh, new girl. Easy. Yes. I've been oh, watching that's a great so show. much great new show. girl. Yeah. Who's your favorite on there? Uh, and why is it, and why is it Schmidt? No. <laughs> <laughs> My husband Wait, start watching no. girl with me, and Schmidt came on, and he's like, "That guy's a mess." <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, man, so funny! Is. Have you watched it all the way through yet? And you're rewatching I am it, or you're finally on the, the seventh? No, this is the first time I've watched okay. it I'm on the seventh okay. season, about halfway through. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I'm I just every done. time. Every time I think of New Girl, I think of the scene with Schmidt going into the preschool and Nick has come through and he's like, where, who was it? And, and he goes, it was a white man. A white man? No. <laughs> and I just think that's just like my favorite line from Schmidt. I don't know. Yeah. Here, the, don't first, judge the, me, Brad. Don't judge me with your eyes. The first, <laughs> <laughs> the first time I watched New Girl, about halfway through, I got really annoyed with Nick. I, I just like, how is it? How, how is it? How is an adult this immature? Like, right. but now the more I, I've watched New Girl two or three times through, I love Nick. I love yeah. it. And I, I think Winston might be my favorite. Yeah, so I don't know that I have a favorite. Yeah, it's such a good show. We're really, I really, we're really like Allie, track, actually. I, <laughs> I think Allie is hilarious. But anyway, yeah. Love it. Which one's Allie? Okay, those were easy. Yeah, I'm, fun. I'm trying to figure out which yeah, one, which one is Allie. I don't remember. Winston's wife. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh her. Yeah. I, I totally forgot about her. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, All right, awesome. Kelly, thank you so much for oh, coming on with us. Thanks We're definitely going to have you back at least, what do you think, Brad, 10 more times? Maybe oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, more. at least five because we got to walk through at all those five, five points. Yeah, right, right, right. right, right. <laughs> you are awesome. You're an incredible writer, but you're an even better person and oh, grateful thanks. to be friends with you and to know you. So thank you thanks. for coming on. It was a lot of fun. Thanks so much, guys.